You wanna hear a good joke? Nobody speak, nobody get choked. Sports fans, it is Friday here on 89.1 KHOL, and Teton Sports Talk is here to bring you a little bit closer to your weekend. I'm your host, Massey Zeman, and as always, Graham Trainer. Massey, just in case anything happens to me, happy yeah. birthday, man. It's your birthday month. Oh, damn, dude. I didn't know what to expect just then. Are you finally here? You finally keep here. Yeah, you keep looking over your shoulder, and I was like, oh, he's looking at the NFL going on behind him. And instead, I was like, wait a minute, maybe he wasn't looking at the game. And in fact, with that open window, he might have planned an escape route. Some people are after him. No, no, no. I just actually settled up with my bookie. Um, How'd that go? At the end of last season. So we're good there. I didn't bet on the Jets tonight. Everything's fine. Just wanted to make sure, you know, in case I need to take a few weeks off or um, I forget on the actual day of. Happy birthday. Happy birthday month. Okay. All right. We're moving on. I was going to say the drought is over. The Atlanta Braves are World Series champs for the first time since 1995. Your Atlanta Braves. And Dawson's. Dawson came in um, last Thursday, peacocking, chest puffed out, not worried about jinxing anything by coming on the show. Yeah. We've, I, we've, we've gotten, we've, even though we talked too much about UVA football. And things happened after that. Uh, I think we kind of reversed the jinx that we kind of had going on our show for a little bit. I think so, too. I think that's more importantly, uh, Teton Sports Talks jinx is reversed. I will say the Braves have to split this breaking of the jinx with the uh, whatever soccer team is in Atlanta. Atlanta, D.C. Atlanta United. That sounds right. Atlanta United. They won an MLS trophy last year. Had a break of the jinx. Braves were just riding their coattails. But history will forget that. We can talk more MLS. I didn't know you – did you want to talk about MLS? No. That's the only MLS facts I have. That is it. That is all I got. What do you think about – do you think the Braves are going to replenish? How's their farm system looking for you? Farm system, uh, probably pretty good, honestly. They have some t- uh, guys that they paid and they, some guys they don't and they rearranged their outfield. So, right? Isn't that the Atlanta story? They got some hit- yeah, they got some hitters. They got some guys who throw the ball yeah. to the hitter. Yeah, cool. It's, it's so funny to listen to every single World Series breakdown of the team. Like, you know, they really had to make some moves this year in order to get the bats hot, and, and the, their bullpen really stepped up. It's like that's the story of every single World Series I've ever heard. The pitching was good, and they hit well. <laughs> and, yeah, throughout the course of time. Um, yeah, this is my good news. So I guess we can jump in the huddle. The curse, the Atlanta, Georgia state of curse, rest in peace, 95 to 2021. Um, yeah, it's exciting, exciting news, exciting for lots of friends out there, which the Rangers, not going to make this about me, but it is, you know, it is your show, my show. Rangers pooped the bed 10 years ago exactly to this week. Okay. Um, should be World Series champions, but I'm excited to see friends and and others uh, celebrate something exciting. You know what is fun? As I looked this up, because I was wondering about the parade, and I was wondering when the parade was going to be. It's tomorrow. That means everybody in the city of Atlanta has a four-day weekend or three-day weekend. Like, if you're at work on Friday, you're quit your job. Walk out. And I have, yeah, like, I've got friends, and I'm sure you have some friends in the Atlanta area who have little kids. Now they're spoiled. Atlanta 
uh, royalty. It's like the beginning of the New England fans back in 01. I can just smell it. They're just going to be really. They're going to have too many. They're going to yeah. They're going to have um, too many Trey Young titles with with the Hawks, and it's just going to be the Falcons are going to finally get it right. You mean DeAndre Hunter? You mean DeAndre Hunter titles? He scored twenty six tonight. DeAndre is his Pippen. Yes, I understand. Thank you. Um, you know what I'm saying. The, the, these kids, these Atlantic folk, are just going to be spoiled. George is going to win a national title. These kids are going to be. These kids are going to be impossible to deal with. I'm actually, as you, I'm worried about my nephew Ward, who is exactly. uh, whose father is a Georgia Braves fan and whose parents are Alabama UVA fans. So I, I don't Saints fans. Like I don't know where his. He's going to be like, wait a minute, y'all cheer for teams that suck? I don't do that in my house. When he's like 15 years old and he's going to have to pick. I'm like, sorry, dude. You got the Broncos and the Avalanche and the Rockies. I'm sorry. That's what you got to do now. Uncle Matthew, what's a Pelican? Yeah, I'm like, don't worry. Once upon a time, we drafted well, and that was it. That was, that was all we got. Yeah, he's when Ward's – yeah. They're going to be the Seattle Supersonics by that time. But when Ward's excited, you know, when it's time for Ward to be a, a basketball fan. Um, so we're going to huddle up. Uh, Graham mentioned it earlier. His good news was the Atlanta Braves uh, winning the World Series. But the huddle in its entirety is the good news of the week, the critical number of the week, something you were stuck on and, and, in, your, and, in, your, and in your flex option, the quote Ooh. slash question of the week. You get to pick one. You chose Atlanta Braves. I'm choosing the, the best college football storyline of the year came out this week revolving around a man named jeff banks have you ever heard of him yeah hook him hook him <laughs> horns baby could you imagine this jeff banks girlfriend uh um danielle thomas she's got a pet monkey it the pole, you, you want the pole assassin messy i'm getting there i'm getting there i'm gonna explain it and at like the way the headlines and the media spun this was a sensational story, so I'm going to dumb it down to the facts, and then I'm going to give the background story to see to see if it sounds any better. Well, just for real quick, looks remember how pure and innocent my good news is compared to yours. So keep going. Okay, good, 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 good. This is a great story. <laughs> Jeff Banks' girlfriend Danielle Thomas. He's a, he has recently divorced his uh, Jeff Banks has divorced his wife. Um, he's got a couple of kids with her. Dating- That's Armstrong. Dating Danielle Thomas. Um, Danielle Thomas has a couple of emotional support monkeys. Animals, oh. Animal support monkeys or uh, emotional support animals. Um, she had them locked away way back in the backyard. They threw a trick-or-treating party for the neighborhood. They invited the kids over early in the evening. They invited some adults early, over later in the evening. They had a haunted house. It was great. One of the kids went through the end of the haunted maze or haunted house went through a gate around their pool and their hot tub through another gate that uh, was, that had a posted sign that said emotional support animals reached his hand into the monkey's cage and got scratched or bit. That's all alleged. And now the internet is on fire. That sounds kind of dull the way I said it. Right. So let's, no, no, no. What, 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 what show is this on? What episode are you talking about? So let's, so let's back up here. This Je- is real. Yes, Jeff Banks is dating Daniel Thomas, aka the pole assassin, who has a monkey who does dance routines on stage with her in her performance at gentlemen's nightclubs. Jeff Banks saw that pet monkey and goes, "Oh 
My God, I'm in love. Divorces his wife. Takes on the pole assassin as his girlfriend. He's a head coach at Alabama. She's somewhere in the picture there. He gets hired by Steve Sarkeesian. Not head coach at Alabama. He's a coach at Alabama. He gets hired by Steve Sarkeesian away from away from uh, Tuscaloosa. And the pole assassin brings her pet monkeys and bites someone on the hand. And now the internet is on fire. I love all of this. Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked. I'm excited that he's a, a member of the the Texas coaching group under Sark. Um I could not believe the story myself. I had I had, I got a, a glimpse of this monkey doing a routine on stage. He gets on the pole. Like he's committed. He's oh, just, so he's, he's like he he's not just a prop. No, no, he's not just sitting on a stool looking looking cute. Uh he works he works for his money. So I've even yeah, seen an was, image with the uh, the monkey with dollar bills in his mouth. So <laughs> that's just so good. That's so good. It's just guys doing dude later, stuff. Yeah, and then a week later, a kid's skin in his mouth. Uh, so they had to jaw, they had to pry him off of this kid. Correct. Oh, and then I now don't know. It's, it's an apology situation. Um, yeah, just a great story. Just reminds me. Yeah, like I, I tried to drop a little Kevin Nealon, Lance Armstrong reference earlier. You know, leaving the leaving the wife and kids for somebody else, a, mm-hmm. a celebrity. This isn't Cheryl Crow, but, you know, it is still the pole assassin. So props to this guy. Pole assassin was on Jerry Springer once upon a time with the monkey. <laughs> I what, what I like about this is that the headline read, you know, uh, exotic dancer, but the best part is, is that she cashed out. You're not – it's kind of like saying, like, once you're a drug dealer, are you always a drug dealer? Or once you're um, – Oh, I don't know. What if you're an accountant and you don't do accounting anymore? Are you still an accountant? So people will still want to label her as an exotic dancer. She's not that anymore. She's big time coach's wife. She is a wag, a wife and girlfriend of a of a one million a man that's got paid one million dollars to coach special teams. Yeah. So actually, did this ha- this didn't happen in Austin, did it? I think it happened down the street from you. Aren't you supposed to be? I thought you were at the party. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't even look that up. Um, I'm I wonder where I wonder where she performs. I want to go see this. I bet he no, be down. Former, goes, former. Well, she's not she's not that anymore. She's not a stripper anymore. Oh, oh former. Yeah, she doesn't work anymore. She's a duty freelance or anything. No. No. This she, is the tiger lose does the tiger lose his stripe situation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm also why do people have monkeys as animals? I feel like monkeys never get the wild quite taken out of them, right? Right. Um, it's, it started on friends. I think Ross is the, is the one to blame for this. I'm okay. I'm, a, I'm okay with, I am, unfortunately had to watch friends cause I had two older sisters and I remember what <laughs> you're talking about and I will blame Ross for everything. Yeah. I didn't watch much friends, but I remember Ross's pet monkey being a big, uh, you know, comedic relief situation on a terrible show. Wasn't there, wasn't there a, um, a woman who had a chimpanzee who like ate her friend's face or something at one point? That sounds that sounds familiar. It's this it's the it's the adage of like someone rescues a freezing snake, brings it back to life, nurses back to health, and then the snake bites him, and the person's dying and saying, "Why did you bite me, snake? I saved your life." And he's like, "Cause I'm a snake." The same thing with a monkey. The monkey will oh. take your flesh off. I like that. I like that. That was the, that's the scorpion and the frog right there. That's another good reference. Remember that story? From no, childhood? I just I just remember scorpion. the I guess the punchline. Yeah, basically the punchline is, well, I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to kill you. Um, 
because he helped the frog helps him get across the river. I had a pet squirrel as a kid, and that thing was all we would do is let it out of a bird cage, and we just chased around the house to put it back in the cage. So yeah, some pets are just meant to be in, in the forest and some... not in your your house domesticated. <laughs> Okay, cool. this time I can just see the trainer household. Okay, this time, Squirrely <laughs> McSquirrelston is gonna really like hanging out with us. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Can't catch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. It touched me. It touched me again. Did y'all eventually well, let it out? Want, yeah, if you want. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. We let it back in the wild. Hopefully, it lasted a day. But it, it was a fallen baby from a nest or something. But you want to tire some children out? Put a squirrel out in the house and make them chase around for three hours, and they'll go straight to bed. Oh, I bet. My uncles just brought in armadillos and possums into the house, and that was kind of a that was kind of fun. <laughs> they grabbed him by the tail. Have you ever seen an armadillo squirm yeah. with a tail? Well, its defense yeah. mechanism is uh, peeing, and so if it, about- if it goes in a circle, holding it by the tail, and it pees all over the house, that's a good time, according to my uncles. Yeah, we had a we had a litter box for the cat and the armadillo. I mean, <laughs> does that not scream South Alabama when I'm talking about my uncles bringing armadillos into the house just to watch them pee all over everything? Yikes. Um, okay. Any more to unpack of from the pole assassin and Jeff Banks? I think that's a headline that speaks for itself. What's great is the morality, the moral compass in college football is nowhere near what it used to be. I mean, Hugh Freeze no. got fired for obvious reason. He was hiring, he was hiring ladies of the night for his players, but not so long ago, Mike Price was seen in a strip club and got fired after Dennis Franchoni. Dennis Franchoni, Mike Price for three months, and then mm-hmm. uh, Mike Shula, I think, was his replacement. So, like, I love how we're, we're just like, these are grown men making grown men decisions. We're not here to fire them. They're here to coach football. I love that about the, uh, the, the general, what am I trying to say, atmosphere or climate of, of college football these days. Yeah, it is a little more Wild Wild West. The NFL has gotten a little too Disney where you, you fire like um, Adam Gase had to fire his offensive line coach because he was doing blow at the facilities and talking to a stripper on um, or a lady of a lady of uh, entertainment on on Zoom during, during uh, film film meetings. He was skipping. So, you know, stuff like that doesn't fly in the NFL. Yeah. What a, what a bunch of teetotaling weenies in the NFL skipping meetings we're talking about meetings here not games all right like i can do a casual line of cocaine and then go into a meeting that seems that seems legit oh man don't stay off the internet stay off the internet uh nfl coaches they don't even they don't even know how the internet works it's like don't send anything over the internet it's 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 out there it's in some database in eastern oregon like chill out Uh, what is, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What's your critical number of the week? We got a, we got a packed show. We got to move on. Yeah, sorry. Second, second. As in second straight practice missed by, or sorry, OBJ was excused from hashtag free OBJ as says LeBron James. My question to you, Massey is, would you rather OBJ joins the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans or neither? That's it. That actually is an interesting question. I'm glad you brought that up because I too had in my notes that OBJ got dismissed from Praxis. So OBJ Odell is going straight toxic mode, right? We saw this. Mm-hmm. We saw this in New York. He got traded to Cleveland. Now he's at the end of his contract, where he's going to be a free agent, where he can kind of hand pick where he wants to go. And more interesting news, and, and other interesting news, Michael Thomas has been ruled out over a setback after having surgery in what yeah. June? Um, yeah. Love 2020, I think it's been it's been a while. And if and if Sean Payton could keep up with how dramatic 
Michael Thomas was, when we did not know about this about Michael Thomas, um, if he can harness that, then surely he's going to be able to deal with OBJ. But in the back of my mind, it's like now it's like who's going to throw you the ball if Baker Mayfield can't get you the ball? Jameis Winston is out for the year. Who do you think Trevor Simeon's going to see you? Well, going to throw you open? Uh, Taysom Hill is going to make more than one read and throw it to you? Like what? I don't know if he fits in the system and is going to be – I think he can fit in the system. I don't think he's going to be happy running mm-hmm. routes and, and not and not getting the ball thrown to him. I don't think the Saints is a good destination for that. No, he's going to be he's going to be blocking up front for a lot of QB draws. I, I don't think he's going to be down with that. Yeah. Um, unless he just really likes – wants to be back in the state of Louisiana, former LSU receiver. The, uh, yeah. Open arms. News. Open arms in Louisiana for OBJ. Oh, that's true. That's true. And I actually have a good, I have a good idea for you. Well, damn it. The trade deadline's over. Now it's ruined. <laughs> I was going to say Brandon cooks, bring Brandon cooks back full circle to the saints, but it's too late. That would have been a great trade with the Texans. Why did they not, why did they not do that? Why don't they listen to me? I don't know when it's too late when it's too late though. But anyway, we're yeah, so I much smarter than them in better news. Okay. Philip rivers would take their phone call. I love how he. I love how he's not really retired. He's over there in Fairhope, Alabama, on the on the uh, east side of Mobile Bay. There, season's over. Um, season. Yeah, not if you're in the playoffs, boy. Go dogs. Um, I'm talking about talking about my alma mater, UMass, right? Not not the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, I know. <laughs> what I am saying is that yeah, Philip Rivers is like. Oh, and by the way, I'm close by. I'm a. I'm an hour and a half drive away. I can I can be there. Uh, I can be there by practice on on Monday. He, I don't see why not. To, he just went to the playoffs last January. It's the same year. Like we're good. He's still good. He can play. Yeah, I don't I don't see why not. I mean, what's the worst they can even do? Like hand the ball off to Alvin Kamara or throw a little lofty yeah. little dink and doink pass like twenty yards downfield. It's basically Drew Brees with with more intact ribs. He could turn he could turn Taysom Hill into his Antonio Gates. Just be flashes of Philip Rivers from the from the aughts. I like all of this. OBJ and Philip Rivers to the freaking Saints. Let's let's make that happen. Um, let's do it. My critical number of the week, and there are many. So this is all this is all you'll you'll pick up here. Twenty years yeah. as a head football coach. Eleven double digit wins in a in a season. Total record of a one eighty one and seventy nine. Eleven and six in bowl games. He brought this team to two different conferences. He has a Rose Bowl victory. He ended up in the number two ranking. He's the second longest tenured coach in the FBS behind uh, Iowa's coach, Kirk, I forget his last name, France. France? Anyway, Gary Patterson is out at TCU upon a mutual agreement. This man was built a statue outside the stadium in 2016. He is no longer TCU's head coach. Oh, you went to you went to some Fort Worth breaking news for me. I like that. Yeah, how do you feel? How do you feel about Gary Patterson being out at TCU? I mean, I feel yeah, like man. I feel like it's one and the same. You say TCU, you think of Gary Patterson. It's one of those relationships yeah. that's yeah. that's like one and the same. Yeah, he was known for yeah, he's a visor guy. He's known for being a shouter and a sweater. He's pooped his pants, literally his khaki pants on the sidelines. Like so much this is actually a story. Yeah. This is just legitimate as pole cannon and the, and the killer monkey, uh, pole assassin, excuse me. 
I'll and um, Gary Patterson used to poop his pants, and I'm ho- hoping he'll get a new job and he will continue to poop his pants in a different conference. But, um, yeah, he's a legend for TCU. Um, yeah, the Rose Bowl, Danny Dalton. And I think that it's going to be hard to replace him. This could be like a miniature Mac Brown situation where it's like you don't know how good, good you have it until you don't – you get rid of like that long-tenured guy. We'll see. Maybe it's a deaf ear situation where – the program was like he's not reaching the players as much as he used to. I don't know. Maybe his kind of like brand of coaching and being a screamer is not – well, I don't know. College football is the wild, wild west, so I don't know. Maybe it's just, it's just time. It's been a long, it's been a long stretch. I think, I think you're – that's the last thing you said was more accurate. And, and that it's kind of like college football is one of those things of what have you done for me recently, just like a lot of most of yeah. sports. Gary Patterson – was the man that that put TCU back on the map since like the 30s and 50s or whatever, however how long it was. He got there in what, 95, 91, 20 plus years. Oh my God, he got there in 98. I, I said 20 years and I was I was thinking of the the 80s and the 90s. He's been, that's 40 years ago. Okay, yeah. sorry, I just had a senior moment there. Um, point being, also... The Big 12 seems like it's up for grabs now that they're losing their flagship programs of Texas and Oklahoma, and I wonder if the Big 12, no matter what coaching position it is in the Big 12, those mm-hmm. head coaching positions are more appealing. Kind of like, I don't know, the ACC hasn't made any splashy hires. They did hire Mac Brown, and the Florida State job has been unlucky of recently since Jimbo Fisher left. But there is a desire to be in a conference where if you seemingly if you go undefeated or if you have a you win that conference, there is the ability to make the college full playoff. Is TCU because there is this vacuum of Oklahoma and Texas being out of the Big Twelve, is TCU trying to position itself to get a splashy new head coach to try to make a run at this thing? I think it's kind of possible. Yeah, it's a good question. Like it's hard because, you know, we've been talking about the UCL or sorry, USC LSU jobs. Uh, we've talked about Franklin from Penn State. We've talked about Lane Kiffin. Uh, we've talked about the Michigan State guy. We've talked about the Iowa State, the Cincinnati guy. What kind of like those guys all want bigger. They want the big USC LSU job. They're all worthy of that. Like TCU, what is that command right now? And I guess maybe you're right. It is a little more appealing because of the, the Big 12 situation, but I'm wondering, like, what is it a, is it like a, is it like a, a ACC, like middling, like a yeah. Pittsburgh's head coach, he gets the TCU job? Like, who wants that, you know, what, what, t- what tier of coach right now wants the TCU job? Or is it the third place guy who doesn't get the USC, um, and uh sorry lsu jobs i think i think you're right i think that's a great point i tcu's head coaching job is not on my top 10 jobs in the country it is going to have to be one of those coaches that they believe can build something you're not going to and and that can recruit well kind of like sam Pittman at arkansas Mm -hmm. it's going to be like a good recruiter or something that no one really really has heard of the only I don't think anything will appeal more like on surface value. And you, you look at TCU and you say, duh, kind of like US. You look at USC and you're like, duh. Like who doesn't want to coach at USC? Look at all the recruiting in California. Duh. Who doesn't want to coach at LSU? Look at all the recruiting 
the the fact that Louisiana is all in on LSU, like the entire state. Um, Texas obviously has good recruits. It's a it's a very intense recruiting um, landscape out there. It's going to have to be the Sam Pittmans of the world. That's I guess I'll, I'll fall back to that answer because Luke Fickle, if you're at Cincinnati and you're Luke Fickle and you're looking at the college football rankings, which we'll talk about, and and it's like okay. It's the Power Fives party, and we're we're we we're on the guest list, but none of us are going to go home with the prom queen kind of thing. Um, yeah. It's going to have to be like a Luke Fickle from a Power Five, but I think I think USC and LSU is all looking at Luke Fickle, saying, "I told you so. You're not going to do anything in the Group of Five. You will be able to do something in the Power Five. Look at the Big Twelve; it's wide open. What what can you do with in TCU at TCU or in Fort Worth?" Yeah, that's true. I guess it is kind of a lateral move for a Matt Campbell. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State. It's definitely probably not an upgrade for Mel Tucker. That was the Michigan State coach. So, yeah, Cincinnati coach seems like the likely hire. It's a t- it'll be a top five job. The likely, even- like, what am I trying to say? Not likely hire, but likely target. Right, right, right. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a top five. I'd say even with what other, what other programs become available, it'll be a top five job amongst USC that's open, at least in LSU. So, I, I'm looking at USC job and being like, who wants that? I mean, <laughs> there's some lot. people that do. I mean, <laughs> that's so dumb. There is a lot. There's a lot of people that want the USC job, but it just seems, I don't know. It seems like snake bitten or cursed or something ever since Pete Carroll left, left it in shambles. It just seems yeah. like they can't focus their team and their city and I don't know. It's just kind of a just kind of a weird anomaly. Um, we got to move on. Give me your uh, give me your. Actually, I'll say this. My stock on was OBJ. Actually, I'll let you go ahead and do it because I have a backup that I think you might you might go ahead and lead with. So, what is your stock on of the week? Uh, mine is. I mean, it's way too early, but this is how I am. The Mavs blow. Uh, Porzingis <laughs> just will not stay healthy. No. Uh, really could have used uh, that sign and trade for Kyle Lowry that I was campaigning for. Uh, but yeah, we're five and three. That's cute. We've blown out and beaten a bunch of crappy teams and lost to the good ones so far. So not feeling so hot. It's just the Luca or bus show. And I just, I don't know how we're going to get somebody at the trade deadline this year. Oh man. The Mavs blues at eight games into the season. That's so <laughs> sad. So sorry for you. Oh yeah. Too bad. Our, our first round pick is 300 pounds and in, in the IR. So, well, at least you know, you know the last like what five years of the show. It's been my stuck on's been the Dallas Cowboys from August through December. So it's nice to you know just kind of look at look at something else. <laughs> Change gears. You've entered the uh, the Mavs uh, fan forum on the internet, and they're just just griping back and forth. My stuck on. I'm surprised you didn't go there. Von Miller to the Rams. That is the mm-hmm. only big name that got traded. I think he's um, in name alone is going to get some hype up around the Rams defensive line, but you have Aaron Donald there getting double teamed. Maybe Von Miller can have with a little less attention toward him can have success on a third and long obvious passing down. I don't know. I don't think Von Miller is that every down uh, guy anymore, but he, he might find, be able to find a, a role in Los Angeles. Yeah. But I can't believe you hadn't brought this up. Aaron Rodgers immunized, but has COVID. But is not vaccinated, and hasn't been following and hasn't been following vaccinated protocol. Where all the other unvaccinated players have been meeting over Zoom and in mask, and 
obeying all the rules that were set forth to him by the NFL Players Association and the 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 owners. What is going on with Aaron Rodgers, and how entitled is he, Graham? What are you doing? What what are you doing? What are you um, doing? I think I had Aaron Rodgers stuck on fatigue because I've had Aaron just like the Cowboys of the past. I've had Aaron on this list every other week since Jeopardy Gate. So I've been like, eh. I put Aaron Rodgers. I put him in the NFL preview, but um, yeah, this is ridiculous. I don't know what kind of ayahuasca trip he went on where he thought he was being immune with crystals and he just came back looking goofy, looking like his he had gotten like a yeah he had. He had seen some things, done some tried tried some experimenting of, of sorts, and I feel like a part of this immunization happened overseas. He was said to have been like holistically vaccinated by his fiance, mm-hmm. actress or whatever wife. Yeah, something. Yeah. Something. Anyway, yeah, it's a it's a big mess, big mess, and they just got Devonte back from actual you know COVID, but knowing that. I think he wasn't vaccinated or whatever, but Aaron Rodgers saying he was and just being hypocritical about talking. Lying about, about it. Not, He's yeah, lying, lying about, about it. it. Saying like the whole, well, I'm not going to judge other players for not being vaccinated. And given that look, it's like, well, you really weren't this whole time. Yeah, and you're right. I do have a little bit of Aaron Rodgers uh, fatigue, honestly. So we, we don't have to spend much time on this um, besides – shockingly he's a liar oh how did i should have seen that coming uh he ruined he ruined uh yeah i mean this week was green bay at the chiefs he ruined the state farm bowl like i was so excited for this like it was going to be there rogers patrick mahomes and it was going to be a, a dark night uh tiered game and now it's just yeah i don't want to see jordan love play that much blake bortles got signed to the practice squad did see that oh He's back again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your quote slash question of the week? I don't know if this is his accent, but we're in the, we're in the season now. We'll do recruiting after the season. When it gets to recruiting time, we can take a look and talk about recruiting. So we're cycling here, and as this lit this lit the internet aflame, and that is Dan Mullen, your – Florida Gators, not your. I'm talking to the fans here. Your Florida Gators head coach, Georgia, Georgia Bulldog. Um, he is four and seven in his last eleven games. Did you see Kirby's recruiting quote after during his press conference? No, but I want to hear it. So this is the follow up. Uh, Kirby and Dan Mullen probably don't get along. Dan Mullen is is a world <laughs> can be a world class bleep bleepity blank to the press when he's all flustered and mad. And Kirby Smart when asked about of recruiting because there's no coach out there who can out coach recruiting that's why i believe that's why i believe in recruiting and i believe you better always be recruiting because if you're not someone else is and that seems more like a winner mentality of we have to recruit we have to do it all the time there's always rumors of like coach o and nick saban inviting themselves into parents living rooms the day after winning national championships um just to put it at the numbers here there have been two five-star athletes recruited to florida in dan mullen's four recruiting cycles there has been 20 at georgia yeah i'm sure today on there was probably a kid on signing of doing a signing today with georgia or alabama today in the middle of the college football season when yeah dan mullen seems to think it's okay to take it off and this is like you brought up coach oh i thought you're going to go a different way with it this is one of those who is handling these coaches and saying 
that doesn't sound right. I mean, I guess you can, you know, sometimes with college football coaches, you get them at the right moment. They'll say something um, very candid and they'll put their foot in their mouth. But this is such a foot in their mouth moment. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen when you say something like that? So let me let me throw some numbers at you. In the last 10 years, I will tell you how many the top five states that have uh, produced the most five stars. And I'll give you um, the top five teams with the most five stars over those 10 years. Dan Mullen's only been at Florida for four. But Florida, in the last 10 years, has produced 59 five stars. Ten of them signed at Florida, two by Dan Mullen. Texas has produced 45 five stars. Georgia has produced 39, 34 five stars went to went to Georgia. California produced 37, Alabama 17, Louisiana 14. In that time, like I said, Florida has got only gotten 10 five-star recruits, Georgia 34, Alabama 44, Ohio State 26, Clemson 20, USC 19. 59 five-stars in the state of Florida, 10 of which, not of those five-stars, only 10 five-stars went to Florida. Of those 59, I think only about five or six went to the University of Florida, which is just unbelievable that they have that much talent in their backyard. And I think FSU has 17 five-stars in that yeah. same same time span. So it's one of those things where why isn't the University of Florida the seemingly best team in Florida? You have US, UCF, USF, FAU, Florida State, and the Gators, and the only team that had any My, number Miami. next to their name. Oh, Miami, excuse me. What? Yeah, to your point, they're all all those teams, even UCF that used to be awesome. All those teams are in the dumpster. Why can't you? Why can't you take advantage? Yeah, it just seems so, and it's just Dan Mullen probably saying, I, I, "I'd rather talk about the game or the regular season than talk about recruiting right now." But it's so blatantly obvious that he's not getting the job done recruitingly, re- recruiting wise. And Florida has had enough of Dan Mullen. They've reached their. He says something, we're so triggered, we're going to blow up. So Dan Mullen can't read read his own fan base, and it's just so funny to see him kind of crashing and burning a little bit. Yeah, 100%. This is the Coach O bringing the, the other woman's kids to practice moment, saying this quote. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There, <laughs> there's a great Coach O interview where they were like uh, – so what does your scouting report say for your team? Like, what are you, what is, what are you working on? And he only heard like half the question because he was half listening. And he doesn't care anymore. But he was like, "Yeah, Alabama's a great team. They're good in all their positions." Like, no. But what about your team? And he's like, "Oh, my team. Well, we're predictable in defense. We don't call the right offensive plays. We don't have enough. We don't disguise our blitzes enough. Like, he just goes down the line and he's like, the punter doesn't punt far enough. The kicker shanks it. Like, he just rips every single position group. And you're like." Oh, okay. Thanks, thanks, Coach O. He just gives it so truthfully and so candidly. It's it's un it's laugh out loud funny when he's talking about his his team versus Alabama. Oh, Alabama's great at every position. No, what about your team? Oh, we suck. We suck bad, dude. This could get. I I, I kind of saw something about that and about him saying something like kind of throwing LSU under the bus. I'm like, can this? Is he going to get like court ordered to? What what's the seal and don't say things like put a gag order on him or something? Are they gonna put a cardboard 
cardboard cut cut out of him at press conferences so he can't talk the rest of the season. Yeah, he like, just has a this a string you pull and it just gives yeah. five canned answers. Go Tigers. And like, well, no, coach, we're wondering about uh, how you on the third and long offense. You just pull the string. He's like, I love gumbo. Dude, he's yeah, he's just he's the Joker burning his half of money with uh, Al on top. All right, where um, where do we go from here? Do we want to go to our college football pick him and then on to the NFL? Yeah. All right, just to let keep everyone up to speed, Graham and I pick four college football teams apiece at the beginning of the year. We shuffle them in and out like you would your fantasy football players. I have been so steadfast in my picks. I don't even know. Last time I switched, maybe a couple of weeks ago, but I'll go ahead and give you mine. Bama favored by 20. I have four teams, Bama, Ohio State, Oregon, Cincinnati. Bama is favored by 28 and a half at home versus LSU. Ohio State favored by 14 and a half on the road at Nebraska. If Nebraska wins, uh, Scott Frost keeps his job forever. Um, Oregon at Washington, only favored by a touchdown. Ooh. Um, and Cincinnati favored by 22 and a half versus Tulsa at home college game day will be there just to give them a little love since they came out in the uh, college football rankings as number six, a disappointing number six Graham has Oklahoma they're on a bye this week Georgia favored by uh, 40 38 and a half versus Missouri um, he has Michigan, which just is coming off a loss to Michigan State. State they're still ranked in the top ten. They're playing Indiana and Michigan State coming in at a whopping number three, eight. No, they are only favored. This is the most interesting line, just a little above Oregon's, because Washington is so bad. Oregon favored only by seven on the road at Washington. Washington is so bad. Anyway, Michigan State is only favored. By three on the road at the giant killer, Purdue. The killer, the per, the, the Boilermakers who took down Massey's Iowa. Remember when you had Iowa, though? They were up there. They were doing their thing. <laughs> they were doing their Big Ten <laughs> thing. I'm, they they were around. Clemson? Yeah. I mean, Clemson, <laughs> no one saw this come. Don't make fun of me because you're sitting Iowa over there State? staggering. Oklahoma, you, you have one team. and you have, Well, you have well, look, two hey, teams in the top four. This? What about this? What about – here's my argument. Look, look at all the teams that I picked that I once had my sloppy seconds that you now have. Cincinnati and Oregon, all the other teams I had, a and I've, I've done pretty well for myself, Massey. And stop putting Oklahoma as my first team. Georgia is my first team. They have a bye this entire November. They do. Michigan State is at Ohio State on 11-20. That is the big one for Massey and I. That's going to decide a lot of moral victory points here. Michigan, they have at Penn State, who can be a giant killer now that they're not a giant anymore. And then they host Ohio State, I think, at the end or Thanksgiving game. Uh, Oklahoma is at Baylor uh, next week, number 12 on the mm-hmm. road. So that would be a big win. And they still have Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, so that's a number 11 team. So they can definitely boost their resume to pop up after not – finishing in the top even six or seven for the first college football playoff uh, announcement. I am perplexed. I don't know. I'm so confused by it all too, go, but go ahead. Do I pick up Wake Forest with an undefeated campaign? Does Wake Forest an ACC team even make it into the tournament? That's I, a, That would be unprecedented. Uh, an undefeated power five conference champion, not making the college football playoff would be a first. They play nobody, and I don't know if they even have to play anybody in the – if like whoever makes the um, – Didn't they beat ACC NC State? Did they play NC State yet? 
don't know. That's a good question. All those North Carolina teams play each other. Even listen to this. I just learned this the other day. Wake so Wake Forest has a tradition of playing UNC, Duke, and NC State. Their their uh, conference because the ACC is kind of wonky. Their conference schedule filled up, so they couldn't play one of those teams, and it was UNC this year. And so they scheduled UNC as a non-conference opponent. I don't I don't get it. So that oh, this week it's a non-conference game against Carolina. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't uh, I don't, I don't host, understand. Yeah, they'll host NC State next week, so they do play them. They play at Clemson, but I mean, I guess Clemson could still shock us. They have the talent. I'm not going to pick up Wake Forest. I I still I think that it would be unprecedented. I think it might actually happen, even if Wake does this. I'm going to pick up Auburn. I'm going to have some okay. SEC West stock after Bo Nix got it done. They only have the one loss in the SEC now, and uh, that was against Georgia. Georgia. Against Georgia, yeah. So I'm feeling good about that. They're playing at A&M. They can boost their resume just like Oklahoma still has a chance to and rise up the ranks, and they could actually host and beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl down the road. So I completely agree um, with – with them being able to beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. They have played spoiler in years past. Um, they could make a run. You're right. They actually are in the driver's seat. They're all the way ranked all the way down at uh, number 13. But that and above them has to sort itself out. Yep. Should we go through the top, uh, maybe the top 10, but, but let's look at kind of the top tier here and give our impression on the committee's rankings real quick? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Okay, so Georgia comes in at number one. No one in their right mind has Georgia anywhere else besides number one. They're hands down the top team in the country, although who have they beaten? Just saying. Kentucky, uh, Florida, Arkansas, Clemson. Where are they? Not much. Not not much there. Uh, They will say they rank in – there's some defensive uh, algorithm I don't understand. I got sent this the other day, but like – at each position, you get a numerical ranking on your on your performance. And Georgia, if you were to have a starting eleven last week, eight out of the eleven players played their best game, meaning like eight the, the best positions played on Saturday on defense. Eight of them were on Georgia, which is an absurd. I don't know where the numbers come from, but it's absurd to look at in my brain. I'm like, oh, really? Ranked all of them? Uh, so George is there. Bam, surprisingly, Bama at number two at seven and one. Um, they're the uh, I don't know. They just love Bama. So let me let me go through it. Actually, give me your thoughts on Bama being number two. I mean, I think it's fine. I think they should be in the top four. So I'm not really going to argue at their placing. I think they should probably be third. And Mission State should get the benefit of the doubt in a very difficult Big Ten this year, All right. um, and being undefeated. But I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to argue against it. It's not. It's not the end of the world. A and M has done their part by staying hot, being six and two, being ranked 14th. So that loss was obvious. Was that an overtime or is that the? Is that a game winner? It was. It was a, a game winner. Yeah. So it's like I mean, it was. It came down to the wire. I'm totally fine with that. That's the best loss of the. I mean, it is the best loss. Oh, oh, I mean, Ohio State's loss against Oregon. That's a pretty is good that loss. A loss. That's a, that's the best. That's the best loss out of the top ten. Best losses. Yeah, best losses in the top ten. Auburn has the best loss outside of the top ten, meaning 
the Georgia loss. So, um, I think I think Bama is is has its bias and it has its brand, and they really weighted Bama blowing out Ole Miss at Mississippi State. That's kind of like the two top twenty five wins if we're looking at this slate. Michigan State has really one signature win over Michigan. Michigan has one loss to Michigan State, so I understand why they're number seven. Um, Ohio State is super interesting because I can't I can't pin my finger down on their big win. They have a a, a good loss to Oregon, but Ohio State has just been blowing people out. So they're just sitting there, not kind of lying in wait. And we know as a, as a college football fan that Ohio State will have the ability to jump into that top four with their remaining schedule. So does Michigan. So I'm not worried about Michigan in, uh, at uh, five, Ohio State at five and Michigan at seven. Cincinnati, on the other hand, don't control their own destiny. They can win no. every single game, there, and they still won't be able to make it in. And that's where I think the college football committee got it wrong. Okay. I, yeah, I, and I see that. And I, I think that the, the biggest thing here that I, I think the, the losses, the good losses are outweighing the zeros on the right side of the win-loss column. More they so they than don't ever. seem to care about losses as much. Because like, yeah, Cincinnati didn't get to be in the top four. And then Oklahoma is down at eight with no losses, even though they haven't played that many good teams, but three teams with one loss are ahead of them, four teams. Like they, they're definitely taking these losses a little more into consideration. I feel like more so than ever before. Would you say they're taking them into more consideration or less consideration? Meaning, they're, meaning oh, you lose good. It's fine. Or if you lose, we really don't care what your wins look like. Yeah. More like they're, they're giving some credit for scheduling out of conference, difficult games like, like Ohio state uh, scheduling Oregon. They're not Agreed. giving, they're not, you know, giving as much grief to a one loss Alabama and putting them at like number six when this time last year, I feel like they would have dropped them for that one loss, even though it was a good loss. They're putting the good losses in the almost resume builder zone. So they're taking those more to consideration as like, oh, we should look at those losses and what they mean less than you just have a zero next year, your wins. I'm looking all the way down uh, at the top 10. I, I don't think Notre Dame can win out and be in the top four. Um, I feel like Oklahoma State or Baylor can win out in the Big 12. Oklahoma sitting at number eight. They can win out and make it in because Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, they all play each other. There's an Iowa – Oklahoma has to play Iowa State mixed in there. And then yeah. one of those three teams between Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma play again in the Big 12 championship. That's just a lot of top-tier football being played. I feel like you can shuffle around the top four in order to make that happen. Oregon is kind of getting a gimme here. They don't have anybody remaining in their schedule besides Utah, who's five and three. They're, they're the first in the Pac-12 South that can give them kind of a marquee win. I think we're going to start to see an Oregon drop, um, especially when Ohio State and beats Michigan State and Ohio State beats Michigan. That's going to keep them. That's going to have them leapfrog Oregon. But you're looking at the a top eight. Maybe you're looking at a top. If you're looking at the top 13, maybe even 14 with Texas A&M, there is some shaking and baking that can happen. But I think we're going to see see it all play out in a very reasonable, agreeable way where we say, okay, at the end of the season, these are the top four teams. The, The narratives are there. They all have to play each other besides 
we mentioned Oregon and Cincinnati. They all kind of have to play each other, and it'll sort itself out. It will. The only thing I can see being a controversial moment will be if Oregon and Ohio State are fighting for fourth and fifth, and Ohio State gets in at four and Oregon gets in at five. That's kind of unfair. That is unfair, and it's unfair that Cincinnati started – and started on outside looking in rather than the yeah. inside being like, we're going to slowly decrease you because all these other teams will have bigger wins than you're capable of having with your remaining schedule. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you know, non-power five team just go undefeated. But this year we're actually taking losses. <laughs> we care more about your losses than you're, you're having just like a goose egg for a lot. We're sorry. We're taking more, we're looking more at who you lost to how important that loss was, what that team went on to do, and they're not caring if you just have a zero in your loss column. Yeah. It, I mean, and that Notre Dame victory keeps yeah. aging well. It, it looks good. They went on the road and they won by two touchdowns. So it's it's a little confusing, but sorry, group of five, you're you're not even arm candy. You're this is not your party. You're a guest of a guest. You can't invite guests, whatever that old colloquialism is. This is this is the Power Five college football playoff, and you just happen to make the list, and that's about it. Yeah, like I said, UVA has Cincinnati's playoff dreams in their hands. If they beat Notre Dame at home week after this weekend, it's all over for Cincinnati. You can bury it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, BYU came out as number 15. That game, <laughs> I, I went down to Provo. This would be the last thing I say about college football uh, for the week, but it was electric. Like if you're a little kid and we had about we had four kids under four years old, there was 80 points scored in the first half. So we were cheering when UVA scored. They scored six touchdowns in a row. Um, they were looking around at the BYU fan, the 40,000 BYU fans there, and they scored eight, like six, 70 points. And they they shot off a cannon every time they scored. Those kids' minds were getting blown. It was I was like, yes, children, look upon the college football landscape and feast your eyes of what can be. Uh, it was it was it was a good time, it, a good time and a loss. And the BYU fans, they're so nice. I was really taken aback by that. Yeah, what what are they what are they looking for though? Yeah, I know the alumni association handed out ice cream like after the first quarter, and I was like. Thanks for the almond chocolate fudge there, lady. I appreciate Like, Thank you for coming all this way. I was like, all right. We even had a fan. He was driving from South Dakota after a pheasant hunt. He was driving home somewhere to California. And he was like, man, I was passing through. And I saw the lights on. And I was like, oh, my God. They're playing right now. And he, like, pulled over, uh, talked to security guard. Security guard was like, yeah, man, just go in. I don't even think he had a ticket. He just walks in, waits for 20 minutes, like, I have a 12-hour drive in front of me. I can't stay here, but this is great. Nice to meet everyone. And, like, scurried off. It was great. It was a great scene. Um, We do not have much time left. We got to get to the NFL. The Saints, I don't know what tier they're in, but the Saints are a bit of a mess right now. But I'll let you take the lead here on our NFL uh, NFL action here. We all stayed this week, right? We We have the same four teams. Is that correct? Did you pick up anybody? Yeah, I just picked up Auburn. Auburn, gosh. All right, let me write that down before I forget. Go ahead. Go ahead. Lead, lead the NFL slate. I don't think I've wrote down the Saints. They weren't in my Dark Knight, uh, Batman Forever, Batman Returns, Catwoman tears. So I think I – are they playing the Falcons? Favored by correct? six and a half. Yeah. Eh. So anyway, Dark Knight this week, <laughs> there are no 
there's no game. There's no game because Aaron Rodgers ruined it. That, that would have been a dark night game, as well as uh, father injury took down Derrick Henry. So Tennessee at the Rams, that takes a little bit of a step back, although it is cool going to be cool to see Von Miller playing defense for the Rams. But, yeah, these games were dark night. Now they're Batman Returns. Not so bad. Good sequel, but, you know, not as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the <laughs> wait, I, uh, I, I I'm I'm trying to pull up the uh the lines right now. I don't know. Yeah, oh, so, I, I don't know what to seven, do with so these. There's seven. Yeah, there's seven. Both these games are seven and a half yeah. point spreads. Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers was playing, it would be much closer. If Derrick Henry was still healthy, much closer. But yeah, it's a bummer. It's gonna be interesting. I guess the most interesting part will be to see what happens to this, to to Tennessee going forward. If Julio Jones can stay healthy, if Ryan Tannehill can be the offense without Derrick Henry and a 36 year old Adrian Peterson. So welcome back Adrian Peterson. Oh my gosh. Does he still need money? That man is a bionic man. He is will never, never age. Um, he must, he just, he must need some money. Yeah, probably so. Um, Cleveland at Cincinnati Baker versus Burrow. This is a pretty important five and three versus four and four in an AFC North game. Uh, kind of fighting for that second spot behind the Ravens and also, you know, possibility of division title. Uh, yep. Looking forward to that one. So is Nick Chubb, in- Nick Chubb back? Is he on the verge Nick of Chubb. being back? Nick Chubb's back. Going to get to see how Cleveland bounces back after dismissing OBJ from practice. It'll probably do him, do him some good. I mean, it's kind of like maybe it's like what happened with Gruden. You get the poison out, suck the poison out, play a better game. I think this is a Bengals get right, but – get right game i just don't okay. see the browns doing much of anything with baker hobbled back there and at least i mean nick if they get the ground game going with nick chubb but the best thing about nick chubb is that he had kareem hunt as a as a one-two punch kareem hunt still out i think Bengals get 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 back on the uh the right track here yeah i like it too they're at home as well uh batman forever tier we got minnesota at baltimore this is the too much purple slash the all anti-vax bowl between Kirk Cousins, who looked awful against the Cowboys, yes. and was beautiful, loved every moment of it. Um, yeah, I like Baltimore at home here. Oh, me, me too. There's uh, this will hurt my eyes to watch Baltimore's favored by uh, six. I think that's appropriate. The Vikings just with all their offensive weapons and how much money they're paying Kirk Cousins does not make any sense to me. It's like just no. just get rid of Kirk Cousins and get anyone that can make it past their second read and throw it further than 15-yard downfield. Look at Matt White from the Jets. Get him in there. Yeah, you can throw it for 400 yards. Why can't you do it, Kirk? Yeah. Idiot. Um, the second Batman Forever tier, New England at Carolina. New England favored by three and a half on the road. Sam Darnold looking like he was not only bad for the Jets, which is a bummer, but this is a big four and four. First four and four game. I think I would probably say the winner of this might be the team that goes on to be the seventh wild card team in their conference. What do you think about that? Oh wow, I, I like the, the I like what the Patriots are doing late. They look they look like they've kind of let Mac Jones cook a little bit. He's throwing the ball further downfield. I was just looking at their last couple of games. They Beat the Chargers 27-24, but they they hung 54 on the Jets. They scored 29 against the Cowboys. So, like, they seem to be going, making strides. And the Chargers game, that's a, that's a good team. Um, yeah. 
I'm looking at the rest of their schedule too. You you say they're at the Panthers and they're the Browns, Falcons, Titans. And they, I think they played the Bills twice in a month. Yikes. Finish off with Jaguars and Dolphins. So yeah, I think you're right. I think this this is a wild card playoff spot here. Yeah, agreed. I like the uh, Pat, I like the Pats here for the record. No, I did too. Uh finally, Catwoman tier. This is the the shark yourself bowl between Tua and where Deshaun Watson was supposed to be traded three different times in the past three weeks, but did not. Houston at Miami. Oh man, this is just like a first overall pick, second overall <laughs> pick written all over it, bowl. Yeah, this <laughs> uh Miami cannot piece it together. I I keep hearing people say Look at the throws that Tua's made. Look at the strides he's he's had, kind of making excuses for him when it comes to offensive coordinators. There is a certain point where you're like, maybe this isn't. They have to start considering this isn't the guy. I think that's been obvious when all the rumor mills surrounding Deshaun Watson, a very heavily plagued off the field issues uh, guy. When when you're willing to be like, maybe yeah. we'll go, maybe we'll go here. That that has there there is fire coupled with that smoke. I do like Miami. I know that the Houston just got rid of Mark Ingram. He's back at the Saints. Love that. Um, he's such a hype man, dude. Did you see him? Mm-hmm. He had the crowd. He had the crowd going. He it was, was juiced. Yeah. He after the game, he had every single one. Every, he was out in the middle of the field hyping him up, and then he started the Houdat chant with it was electric. Sorry, I digress. I like Miami in this game. Um and we have time we have time to discuss discuss a little more here. I, I am eyeballing how the Raiders are doing. I've lost complete track of them since I predicted they'd win one game. I have no idea what's what's gonna happen this this game. They're five and two, first in the AFC West. Giants are terrible, but the Raiders are only favored by by three. I would like to see how they uh how they keep playing down the stretch. Oh, the Bills at the Jags. Okay, here's here's something interesting. Are we are we over the Chargers? They play the Eagles. They're favored by only a point and a half. Um are is our darling Justin Herbert, is he is he having a sophomore slump or am I missing something? Is it the Chargers defense? He's a little banged up, and I think it's the Chargers defense. I feel like they just like cannot have to always keep pace with what the defense is gonna give up. Um no, I think the Chargers the Chargers are still they're still in the hunt for that division because of what's happened to the Chiefs. And between the okay, the Raiders and the Saints, who's the more doesn't feel like they're five and two, but they are team from what's all the negative stuff that's happened to the to the Raiders with Ruggs and Gruden and what's happened injury wise with the Saints. It's like I'm amazed like these teams are five and two where they are, and they're, you know, either gonna win their division or, you know, fight for a wild card spot. Pretty amazing. Which is the better five and two team? Yeah. That right is now. that is an incredibly hard question. I'd have to look at their schedules, but I just think the Saints, I think there's too much to overcome injury-wise when you when you lose your starting quarterback. If that makes any sense. That that seems Yeah, I mean the Saints have a better defense, they have a better running back, the Raiders have a better quarterback, and they have a better offense, I guess overall. It's tough. It's kind of a toss-up. I mean, I'd probably rather have the Saints overall roster quarterback is the tbd we'll see we'll see you know it's taste some time just like you know just like you went you went down to provo it's taste some time taste some time trevor and Taysom in the saints trevor, backfield taste some show still favored by a touchdown against the pathetic atlanta falcons 
Um, well, download the podcast. Look us up, Teton Sports Talk, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, still haven't heard back from Jeff Bezos. He's still stuck in the moon. Uh, give us a five-star review. Sports fans, that's it. And that is all.